Worldwide podcast. My name is Christina Ballas, the National Director of Strategic Implementation for CBC, and I'll be your host. With us today is Bobby Boone. With nearly a decade of experience immersed in retail real estate, Bobby is impassioned about empowering engaged tenants, developers, and cities to create community-serving retail. Prior to founding and access, Bobby led a citywide effort to attract and maintain small businesses in Detroit and tackled wide-ranging retail challenges as a senior strategist at StreetSense, from repositioning Fortune 500 brands and malls of yesteryear to crafting expansion strategies for emerging brands and commercial corridors. Bobby shares his love of retail with others as a University of Maryland and Harvard University lecturer and speaker at conferences across the nation. He received a Bachelor's of Science in Architecture from Florida A&M University and a Master's of Community Planning from the University of Cincinnati. He holds certifications from the American Institute of Certified Planners and Lead Neighborhood Development. Welcome, Bobby. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Would you kick us off by telling us a little more about and access retail solutions and what retail that reaches all people means to you? Yes, I would love to. So, um, you know, again, thank you for having me. And access really was launched after a realization that, you know, there's a unique opportunity to serve, um, you know, many communities that are historically underserved. So that's, you know, communities of people, which are uh, entrepreneurs, as well as their geographic communities. Um, so, you know, while I was at Street Sense, as mentioned, I worked with, you know, lots of corporations, lots of, you know, well-funded developers, et cetera, um, and realized that, hey, there's methodologies and um, really um, driven systems that build upon, you know, what is um, a viable retail center. And then I had the opportunity to work in the city of Detroit, um, which was a result of a project I worked on while as a consultant in StreetSense um, that really showed me, wow, there's a like thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem. And, you know, what if both of those things came um, together? And so looking at a Venn diagram, you know, how can that really get to this idea around retail that reaches people, right? And so, you know, one of the things that I'm really excited about, you know, is really driving that conversation forward in terms of creating innovative solutions, understanding, you know, what are like the community's needs and how they change. And then how do you really get to equity. And so, you know, my whole goal around, you know, the commercial real estate environment is, you know, equitable opportunities for small businesses that are looking, you know, whether that is um, real estate projects in you know, prime high streets or within their local neighborhoods. And so, you know, thinking about strategies to get them there as well as equitable solutions for those geographic communities as mentioned previously and thinking strategically about, you know, hey, let's lower these barriers, you know, that oftentimes are dictated by financing or many other things. Um, and you know, it, they're too rigid. You know? So it's like, let's be a little creative. Let's like push the conversation forward. That's really interesting. I'd love to hear more about 
you know, kind of the process that you go through when you're consulting with a small business. So that sounds like a tall order trying to to make something more reachable for for folks that maybe don't see that. So can you talk to me about how you consult and just the process behind that? Yeah. So, you know, small businesses, the work that I do with them, it yeah, it ranges. Um, it's largely educational. Um, as we understand kind of within the market is, you know, small businesses come in at varying levels of understanding of how the retail real estate system works. Um, so, you know, I, I work with them to one, just detail, hey, these are the basic steps you need to go through. Do you have a strong concept? Identify the target market. What do you need in order for your business to thrive? Meaning, hey, is it a destination? Will people understand how to get to it without, you know, a lot of uh, additional information? Or are you, you know, just relying on foot traffic and it's a convenience-based opportunity? And so, you know, ingrained in the neighborhood and uh, it you know, really doesn't need very much marketing because, you know, I'm, I'm a convenience store. Etc. And so, really thinking about you know um, concept development and working with them in order to drive that conversation forward. That's one one way that I work with businesses. Another way is just you know really thinking about you know same similarly in the educational concept you know going through the lease process and making sure that they're well aware of all of the strategies that they need to. Um, potentially pursue and then understand in order to not only find a, a place in your know, site selection or, you know, the second part is just protecting themselves. And so, you know, that education coming up front is really, I find, a complement to a lot of the services that traditional brokers offer in terms of, you know, primarily the, the site selection. So, you know, really helping the business get over a lot of those hurdles that they occur, that they have initially and, and really get that LOI and hopefully that lease. Um, and on the other side, I work with them on sustaining their real estate. And so, you know, that really looks like, hey, how are you leveraging this as an asset to your business? Um, how are you, you know, talking with your property owner and maintaining, you know, positive um, feedback and conversations there? Secondarily, you know, what's the opportunity for you to increase your sales? Are you leaving gaps within the market and you can easily add a, you know, another line of service or offering um, within your space? Are, is your space set up correctly? Um, do you understand that, hey, this is a workforce population? And so, you know, I need to maybe put a bar at the front of the, the space instead of, you know, for like all the sit down um, areas, you know, depending on what the you know needs are of their customer base and then, you know, driving them to make very um, refined decisions. Thinking about Detroit, and I know in a previous conversation, you and I had talked about, you know, I had experience of going into Detroit when it was still almost like a ghost city. So I'd love to kind of think about, and and obviously, you know, and I know that Detroit has changed leaps and bounds from, you know, I don't know, 15 years ago. How do you see the small businesses in the area as what helps shape the community? Because I think so often people in their minds go to, you know, big box retailers or, you know, just like the average names that people are used to hearing. How do you see small business as that being the, the piece that sets it aside? As you mentioned, you know, it, through the economic depression that occurred in the city of Detroit um, over you know a, a long 
period of time, you know, starting with a lot of the population loss to not only the suburbs surrounding, but other cities um, throughout the nation, um, you realize that, you know, there is retraction of the market. And so what occurs really there is that, hey, small businesses are left with the opportunity and the need to serve the residents that are, you know, still within the community. And there have been, you know, some very strong, thriving businesses that sustained the economic depression um, and that, you know, I, I really found as like a opportunity um, to grow. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we started with um, when my work there was really understanding um, specifically what those businesses need. And so in order to grow and, you know, there's a very strong ecosystem that's developing a pipeline, but there's also the segment of businesses that are saying, hey, I can open my second and third location. And so when you think, you know, back to your question around, you know, what is, you know, how are these businesses really ingrained in the community? How are they supporting really the things that come to mind for me is just like, oh, they understand kind of meet very localized needs comparative to their national counterparts and are able to you know say hey i realize that you know this is selling at a, at a faster rate um, than expected or you know my customers are continually asking for this good and because their like supply chain systems are so local they're easily able to like capture that and put it on their shelves within a a, a short period of time and so you know, thinking about it from that perspective is is one of my favorite. Um, and then, you know, thinking about, you know, how the the system that's supporting them is even more important. So thinking about like, you know, policy programs and funding that are required, you know, some of the conversations I was engaged in while during my time in Detroit was really around, like, why are secondhand stores and pawn shops in the same category? And they're so hard to, you know, get like secondhand stores up and running, you know, why are you know there these parking issues that you know that are mandated basically number of parking spots mandated for a certain size um restaurant or you know thing and so if some of them like right on the threshold and like oh i have to go apply for a variance even though a parking lot exists across the street but it's private. And so thinking about, you know, all of the, the challenges that are really facing the small business owners, specifically those with none of the financial or legal resources in order to navigate those processes um, in place. And so, you know, really thinking about, you know, how we're looking at these entities as a, members of our communities, not only from a, a private entity sen- standpoint, but also the public entity standpoint and making sure that they are um, supported as such because they have historically, like I said at the beginning, supported these communities in which you know no other businesses have been. That's true. Those are definitely the businesses that invest in, you know, where they work and likely live too. Um, how do you, it sounds like such a tall order to me as we're talking, just thinking about, you know, the, I know a lot of small business owners just in my family. I think it's like the story of immigrants, right? A lot of times, or just, you know, these smaller communities, it's tons of opportunity. But I think about, the overwhelming feelings of not even knowing where to start. So like you have an idea, you're entrepreneurial, you think, you know, you want to, maybe you even know a bank that you can get a loan from, but like, how do you even think about all those other aspects that seem so vital to sustainability of a business? I mean, you know, 
you don't know what you don't know first. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, it's, but you, you get back to this community value of these businesses, right? Like, you know, I've just completed um, work with Montgomery County looking at, you know, how do they sustain their diverse you know, ethnically and racially diverse business clusters um, throughout the nation. And what we found was, you know, hey, these they are leveraging their businesses as community like education. Like it's like, hey, you don't know about PPP and EDL, like, you know, so we're as a business going to host a quick call with all the other business owners, you know, within the community or even prospective business owners. They are they're this resource to go to like, hey, I'm trying to start a X, Y and Z in order to start an X, Y and Z. I need information. I know you've been in the process for so long. I'm going to come to you. And so, you know, that I think is a vital component. Um, but also, you know, thinking about the larger community as a whole. And so in strategies really to, you know, ingrain some of their um, work within this. And, you know, when I, when I think of like commercial real estate and, you know, the brokerage process, you know, which, you know, like, hey, again, there's a high hurdle for supporting small businesses because of that educational component, because of the lack of, you know, a legal team and a financial like accountant and all these things. Um, however, there are community entities that you can work with, you know, like whether that's, you know, a private entity like mine and access organization that can be a partner or, you know, some of the nonprofit support system. You know, every state has a small business development center that you can send um, businesses to or Main Street organizations or business improvement entities or economic development entities, all of these people that have the interests of the small business at heart. And so thinking about ways that you can form that partnership and say, hey, I really think this is going to be a great concept. You know, let, can you help them get to the line which I can really support them? And think of it as a teamwork and not solely as, hey, I'm not I have to take on all of this in order for me to prove my value. That's a really good point. I think that something I really want to kind of sit on is thinking about those partnerships within the communities from a commercial real estate development perspective. So how can you almost take away the ownership of be doing it alone and figuring everything out yourself with really partnering with people that have the community's best interest in mind. I think the idea of sustainability too. So from a leasing perspective, your, your interest is certainly for businesses to be sustained. So to work with those other organizations that help with the education piece is probably imperative for a good return on your own personal investment. So now that we're thinking just real estate space and community, besides partnering, you know, how can we think about commercial real estate as a way to support communities? So a lot of times, you know, you hear the cliche statement, if you build it, they will come, you know, but I think there it's deeper than that. Like there are people there in the, some of these more under, you know, underserved areas. So you don't need to build something for them to come, but you need to offer something that services the community. So how can we think of com commercial real estate and community together? Yeah. And I think, you know, first is just challenging that nuance of if you build it, they will come, right? <laughs> it's like, yep. they might not come. They, they, <laughs> they, you know, they might not find value in it, even if it is an unmet need. Yeah, it's like, that doesn't reach my price value kind of equation for my personal life. So I'm not going to go there because I either think it's too expensive or I think it's not expensive, like it's, it's not a, of quality or, you know, whatever that, um, 
that equation ends up being household per household. And so, you know, one is just you know, understanding the market, understanding, you know, what, what, what's needed. Um, but, you know, thinking about zooming out and like saying, Hey, you know, I'm serving as a resource to the developer if I'm a broker or et cetera, you know, so many other kind of partnerships that could be there. It's just like understanding, you know, Hey, are there lending requirements that are associated with this activation that limits small businesses from participating. And so, you know, think commercial mortgage-backed securities and all the things that come along with that and risk mitigation and really being able to support um, the t- the small business tenant long-term is it's a challenge. And so, you know, understand those limitations, potentially refinance and get out of those, you know, if that is a true goal of like tenanting with small businesses and then creating flexible space typologies. You know, one of the things that I'm really pushing for in a lot of my work is just saying, hey, like maybe this is a multi-tenant space or maybe this is a smaller space than you you would initially consider, which isn't a, a great selling proposition to brokers, you know, it's like who get commission typically on space size. So it's like, yeah. hey, I'm leasing out a, a 500 square foot space when I can go lease out this 3000 square foot space, you know, in, in commercial world, it, 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 it loses kind of, you know, that return on investment. However, you know, that smaller space can really support the small business because, you know, you can maybe charge a little bit of a premium on the rent per square foot or, you know, whatever the deal is. Um, however, it allows that business to actually sustain that space over time and and say, hey, and that's a national trend too. You see real estate, retail real estate getting smaller and smaller um, in terms of the the size of the days. And so providing that opportunity, not only for the small business, but also for those national brands moving forward. Um, And then considering various lease models, you know, like, so, you know, what I've seen, you know, one of the things I saw in Detroit was how creative they were in trying to make the deal work. Um, so they're saying, hey, I'll go give you percentage rent. I'm going to do a master lease with the community, a community organization. So, you know, it'll help me navigate the risk in terms of, you know, get actually getting the space to the small businesses. And so, you know, all of these various scenarios really start to drive, you know, some of that tenanting with new and unique opportunities that, you know, may really um, bolster, you know, the community long term. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's just starting with the community early, you know, having these conversations at a at an earlier stage than they typically happen, which is like, oh, the space is delivered and now we need to fill it because the national brand hasn't been yet. So let's actually have like build this flexibility in at an earlier stage. Um, and so, you know. These conversations can you know, be with not only um, the developer, if you're from a broker standpoint, but also prospective tenants and community organizations who are supporting them. Say, hey, what are what are your needs as a small business right now, and how can we start to design solutions for that? That's great. I, lo- I love that. I wrote that down. Build flexibility at, at an early stage, not after the fact and figure out how to backfit it. That's I mean, it sounds intuitive, but a lot of times I think things get developed in the thinking of um, maybe an archetype of what you think that space needs to be, as opposed to um, maybe the market appropriateness, which is perfect kind of segue into my next question. Sometimes I think a lot of for whatever reasons, maybe cultural or societal kind of pressures of what a downtown or retail 
male space should be and how you can create like the perfect quote unquote, you know, um, downtown space kind of contrasts with market appropriateness. Sometimes it's spot on, but usually not. Right. Um, how do you help people see through that is like in understanding market appropriateness? Right. And I think it goes back to you know, what I immediately think of is, you know, who defines market appropriateness <laughs> and why do you have those presumptions around, you know, it's like, hey, I want to live in a Starbucks neighborhood. Or I want to live in a Whole Foods neighborhood. <laughs> like, you know, those are the things in which we assign value to as, as, as people because of, you know, it's been trained in terms of, you know, this is a this is what's you know, what meets my needs, what are what what is deemed appropriate. However, you could have this amazing market that has fresher produce than Whole Foods, or you could have a, a, a coffee shop and bakery that, you know, have better roasted beans <laughs> than, than Starbucks, you know, that can really still meet those needs. And so, you know, those are things that I always consider when you know, defining kind of market appropriateness. It's like, you know, hey, let's actually get down to the root of the what what is appropriate for the market. And, you know, it's like, you know, we all, you know, have to buy groceries. We all need to, you know, have, you know, some type of clothing, et cetera. However, you know, those, that price value equation comes back up. And so, you know, really always keeping the tenants um, perspective in line with market demand is where I think this is really teasing out. And so, you know, understanding that um, each market has a set demand, you know, certain types of goods and services. Um, however, you know, site selection processes have typically his, and historically been economically segregationist as well as racially segregationist. So it's like, how do we get past that? How do we like get to an understanding like, hey, let's actually understand, you know, the nuances of prepared foods and preserved foods and, you know, fresh foods and what kind of the needs are based upon different market segments. And maybe it's the same concept. Maybe you can still sustain a, you know, full service grocery store. Um, that just pulls the le- those levers a little differently, right? It's yeah. like, hey, we're going to have a increased prepared food section than fresh foods because we understand that, you know, our market is made up maybe of a larger segment of single mothers that are trying to figure out, hey, how am I going to feed all of my children, <laughs> the you know, within an hour that I have and do homework and do, you know, um, maintain a job and all these other things that are associated with that. And so being you know, more intentional within that approach. And I think small businesses have been, you know, specifically like I think the, the small grocers that I worked with, they have definitely been keen on like those perspectives around like, hey, how do we actually meet the the real lifestyle needs of the community in which we serve? Do you think that's because a lot of times these small businesses uh, are part of the communities in which they are building their businesses, so they just intrinsically know? It's, can you analyze the data enough to help understand those needs in a community, or is it really just, you know, it's it's hard to, to get that secret sauce? You just have to really be in the community and working with people in the community. How do you do that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's two-pronged. Yes, I think there are data variables, 
that um, contribute to, you know, under having understanding that nuance and, you know, having a really good market analyst probably will help you <laughs> get to that understanding. Definitely. However, the the qualitative research that's occurring from the business owners, from the conversations, from the, hey, I would really appreciate if you carried this, you know, is like invaluable. Like you can't, like it, it, you, it's very hard to replicate that in a kind of data-based approach. And so, you know, thinking about, you know, back to this conversation around engaging the community early and, and you know, understanding kind of their needs and, you know, that that really is important. And so we can really dive into, you know, some of the, all right, how do we build better concepts, whether or not they're national or local, by understanding the community and like this human-centered design instead of the only ROI-based design. I personally, you know, think are so impactful to think about as you're thinking about community development, leasing, like all of it really in in the commercial real estate space. And I would argue oftentimes um, with anyone that would ask, you know, a lot of people say residential real estate is like the heart of building communities. And I don't take away at all from the way things can shift depending on the um, diversity of people that move into an area or et cetera. But I tend to think that commercial real estate has a much bigger opportunity and sometimes a much bigger effect of building communities because um, it it creates gathering places, it fulfills needs, it does all those things that are um, more than just where you live. You know, is it drivable? Nope. And especially nowadays, and maybe it's a generational shift, but I think people are really looking to shop local. It's not just like, it's not a buzzword, right? It's just people want to give back in their community regardless of of where that is. And so I think commercial real estate just has so much opportunity to, to really be at the forefront of building all of that. So I love the idea of it being human centric. That's what I was getting to, you know, centered around the people, It just seems like the best way to build things. Yeah. Thank you so much for this conversation, by the way. I just, one thing that I wanted to ask you is if our listeners could have one to three kind of takeaways, what do you think is your most important takeaways? Creativity. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, the real estate industry forces us to be very formulaic in the way in which we approach you know, commercial space and thinking about, you know, how do we break down those barriers? Um, it's a it's a tall order. <laughs> um, you know, it it begins, honestly, at the federal government level, which, you know, I'm not sure who's listening, but, you know, that <laughs> I, I doubt many of you want to deal with that level of bureaucracy. But, um, you know, th- those are the, the conversations I'm actually starting to have with you know, people like, all right, how can we enable the this plan that we identify as the American dream of entrepreneurship? <laughs> you know, it's like to actually work um, in ways that's right for the people and designed for the people back to this human center design. Um, also brick and mortar retail is still viable. I mean, I think like we, we constantly talk about, you know, what's happening with COVID and, you know, is e-commerce going up? Like take out all of um, these brick and mortar spaces, uh, et cetera. But at the end of the day, there is you know so you know much hope 
that is, occurs from just like connecting with each other. And I think, you know, we're hopefully many of us, I wouldn't say all, <laughs> many of us are yearning for that reconnection yeah. with people. And so, you know, thinking about strategies, you know, that really involves that commercial space, as you mentioned, in terms of community, it's like, you know, has, yes, you have your diversity that exists within the neighborhood, but where it actually collides is within, you know, education, but that's if you have children, um, but also in your commercial spaces. And so, you know, how do you think about activating, you know, those spaces to be one of the people? Um, so, you know, brick and mortar will remain, I think, a viable solution for that, because that's how we do it in, in physical life. Um, and then, you know, designing better systems, you know, so I guess get back to the creativity. It's like, let's design systems that really supports independent retailers. Right now, I think there's an unprecedented amount of small business data available, you know, from all of the support programs that have been out, you know, but I also think there's a need for better real estate data. You know, right now we rely on CoStar and, you know, that oftentimes excludes so many people from accessing data that needed to make decisions because of the, like, tall price point on that. Um, but, you know, it's like their municipalities can start to break some of that monopoly and, like, collect, utilize the systems that they already have in place around certificates of occupancy and um, the permitting and licensing processes, et cetera, in order to just say, hey, here's spaces that are available. How, here's how you can, you know, start to take advantage of those systems. You have to go through, you know, safety permitting processes and all of those things. Why not leverage that information to also say, hey, you know, this space is probably ideal for a small business because it is legacy building, you know, that small businesses typically occupy because of the lower rent rates. It, you know, has these features, et cetera, that, you know, really can start to create a database of opportunity. And so that will be, I think, highly beneficial to the brokerage community, highly beneficial to the small business community by having that instead of always having to rely on the cold callers from CoStar to make sure that they populate the information correctly. Absolutely. I think that the idea of creativity and especially, you know, you you mentioned the the idea of like COVID kind of shifting things and you know, that is such a great takeaway. I think that we should always be, you know, thinking how we can serve communities creatively. And a lot of times when I talk to some of our, our top brokers in the in the community, they will tell you they really listen to the needs of their clients. And I think taking that one level deeper of, you know, li- listening to your clients, but having a deep understanding of the community, um, whether it's working with nonprofits or organizations, consulting organizations like yourself also, I think that that is some way to really just go above and beyond to that next step of, of, of deeply, you know, working within the space. So I appreciate that perspective. I love it. So if anybody <laughs> wants to continue, perfect segue, if anybody wants to continue the conversation with you and really um, kind of look at what you're working on or reach out, how, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, first, check out my website, andaccess.com, A-N-D-A-C-C-E-S-S.com. Um, you can use that same handle, and access for Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, you know, we're more than happy to engage, talk more about all of the things, retail, equity, and small business. Um, so feel free to reach out, and thank you so much for having me.
Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes on our podcast, please like and subscribe. Till next time. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.